I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Hey, everybody. we got a really special guest today, artist, photographer, poet, uh, Darden Smith is with us. He's just released a project called Western Skies, and he's a fascinating guy to talk to, and I love, love, love this project. I'm going to read you the foreword from the book uh, by Rodney Crowell. Here's what he had to say about the project and about Darden. He said, Western Skies is a near-perfect multimedia balancing act performed by poet, essayist, photographer, singer, and songwriter Darden Smith. It's the kind of work that could and should bring him recognition as one of the Lone Star State's finest land and skyscape artists. His prose poems put me in mind of Elroy Bode, the Kerrville-born El Paso High School English teacher, whose notebook meditations on what he termed commonplace mysteries abundant in this sparsely populated corner of the world known as West Texas, are arguably worth mentioning in the same breath as Larry McMurtry. Like Bode, Smith is a keen observer. He identifies narrative gems hidden in plain sight and gifts the reader with their singular experience. His Polaroid images portray a stark reality associated with the likes of Depression-era photographers Arthur Rothstein and Dorothea Lange. And his songs are a deft blend of melancholy, reminiscent of Jackson Brown's early work, and the no-nonsense virtue of vintage J.J. Cale a most effective combination. Hopefully such comparisons serve their descriptive purpose. However, I must say that it's Darden's close-to-the-ground spirituality that gives the songs, poems, and photographs their contemplative dignity. His willingness to venture unaccompanied into what others might describe as nothing more than a vast emptiness invites and indeed inspires the listener, reader, or viewer to be gratefully alone with their thoughts. Having experienced Western skies as a whole, I found myself thinking and feeling these things. There's a whole lot of God out there in that godless wasteland, and it's only by embracing our aloneness that we experience the oneness of all creation. Thanks to one man's clear-eyed vision, there's a world within a world that now can belong to all of us. An artist's job well done, Mr. Smith. I bow in earnest. Here's the interview. So everybody, welcome Darden Smith. Darden, we're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much. It's good to be here, buddy. I've fallen in love with Western Skies, so I'm so excited to introduce our audience to that. But I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about your early songwriting career and kind of where your musical journey began. Yeah, you know, I was I, I grew up in a sort of a non-musical family, and uh, just I, I discovered songs. I had a guitar. I started playing guitar when I was about nine, and I had a guitar teacher that, uh, you know. She was about 17, I guess. She was, was in a little town in Texas. and She was the hippest thing in town. And she was my guitar teacher. And one day we were sitting there and I was looking at this songbook for uh, it was Neil Young's After the Gold Rush album. And I was like, who's that? You know, there's a picture of Neil Young in there. And she said, that's the guy that wrote the songs. And I said, wow, you know, it's a really famous picture of Neil Young where he's all strung out sitting on the, the couch in the studio and uh it's like wow that guy wrote the songs and she's i said well god can i write songs and she goes yeah and i said well what is it she goes it's just poetry but for music and i already knew how to write poetry and so i just i just started you know that was my my first intro into it and i just went on that night and wrote my first song at 10. and i wrote a couple songs you know to, you know i'd write a couple songs a year and then in the eighth grade, my parents moved to a suburb of Houston from a farm 
And that was just, it was just such a weirdo and it was culture shock. Then I just began writing songs all the time. And so then between then and high school, I just wrote, you know, and then went to college and started playing music in Austin. And then I started playing in clubs and everything and then put a record out when I was, I guess, 24, 25, something like that. Put an indie record out. From that, got a publishing deal and a record deal followed that and just never stopped. But it started really just because I got a positive person that said, yes, you can do this. And uh, so that, that's what got me started, man. That's awesome. So how has your music evolved from that first album until now? Well, it's both, both evolved in a, in a linear line and in a circular way. Because, um, you know, when I first began, I, I didn't really know how to play music. I wasn't really a great player when I first started. And in some ways, I was kind of unformed sort of uh, as a musician and everything at that age. I was, pretty, I was very much into the sort of Texas singer-songwriter world, Guy Clark, Towns, Jerry Jeff Walker records. That was those were really my teachers. Though I had this other music in my mind, which was um, more influenced by pop, uh, but I didn't know how to play that music. I just knew how to play one thing. And uh, so, if and so, and I was very. Uh, I think my songs in the beginning were much more literal. Um, they were much more so story based songs than so. The song forms were really uh, pretty straight ahead, you know, based, based a lot around sort of John Prine song forms, Guy Clark things. Those are really my teachers. Um, and so then in, uh, and I got going, I got a record deal and publishing deal and all that. And um, then or in 1988, I was connected with a man named Boo Hurdine who's a songwriter in England. And we were put together by a publisher, his, by Boo's publisher, a man named Nigel Grange. And uh, he put us together. And so then I was writing songs with a guy from England who's, you know, his sort of teachers were the Beatles. <laughs> and, and it was fascinating because the stuff that he was, it was kind of like his folk music, which is the, the Beatles and pop music. He understood that completely. And it was a mystery to me, but that's the kind of music that I heard and the kind of music that I grew up playing. It was the kind of music he wanted to play, but didn't know how to do that. And so we complemented each other in this amazing way. And it opened me up to chord progressions, uh, melody, uh, song structure, uh, and a more, a more British way of, or more pop song way of writing a lyric, with, which is sometimes vague, more vague and more suggestive than the literal stuff that I was, that I'd really based everything on up until that point. It, it blew me, it blew, blew my mind. <laughs> and uh, so fun. It was so great because now the music that I heard in my mind, now I had a structure for how to play it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that that sort of coincided with my record deal being moved from now. I was signed to Epic in Nashville. Shortly after that, my, I was very frustrated with that. It was a very it was a challenging time, and I wasn't very happy. And it was definitely not successful. And uh, 
So at the, that coincided with my moving my record deal from the Nashville division to, uh, to the New York division of, of Columbia. And Boo and I actually wound up putting a record out together, came out on Ensign Chrysalis. And it sort of led to, led to me opening up my music in that way. And over the years, it's continued to evolve. At the same time, I can point to some songs on my last two records that are so clearly straight out of the country folk thing that I started with. It's like, I haven't gone anywhere and I have at the same time. And, uh, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of go back and I, I still, that stuff is that, that way of writing songs that I started with is still inside of me, you know, and I'm not, I never will lose that nor do I want to. It's just now I have other, other possibilities to, uh, but in, in, in many ways, the thing that I have stayed close to is, is and I've, I've drifted away from it and continually found myself drifting away and coming back to it, is simplicity. That's the thing that I, I think is, is, um, is the mainstay. And that's the thing that I always try to come back to is keep it really simple and um, use the right words. <laughs> be care be careful with your words you know absolutely my philosophy as well i was reading in your bio or, or some of the information that they sent me a, a story about your first wife father and a plan b oh yeah no plan b right I, I'd, <laughs> I'd love for you to tell that story to my audience well uh basically you know i was i'm, I'm i met my first wife when i was 19 and and I think we got engaged when I was 23 or 24. And uh, her father, very traditional man, uh, uh, former military guy. And just, you know, he was a Depression era guy. So he was much more concerned with making sure that you could put a roof over your head. And he had never met a musician. I mean, I didn't come from a family of musicians either. So it was, I was, I was way out on the edge. But he basically wrote me this letter saying, okay, this is this music thing is, is fun, but how are you going to support my daughter? And, uh, <laughs> you know, that whole letter. And uh, just, it just infuriated me uh, because I come from a, a long line of self-employed people. And it's not a flaw either way, though at the time I was, I was super insulted by it. Uh, he was just being who he was, you know, and it was cool. But my father's way of talking about work was figure out what you do if you didn't have to work and then figure out how to make it pay. And that was, I mean, that was the lesson I always had from when I was a kid. And so I wrote him that letter back. I went, I don't have a plan B. If I have a plan B, I'll use it. And if I don't have anything going, if there's no possibility for success when I'm 30, then I'll think about the plan B. But until that time, if I take my eye off the ball, it'll never happen. I mean, music, music is not, you know, I mean, and music's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, but it, as it, the story turned out well, cause you know, I did, I did okay. And, and I, I love that guy. He was great. You know, but, but we just had that, we had to have a, a come to a, a meeting of minds on that. But music is not music. Making a living as a musician and, and being a musician is, is not easy. And you have to be willing to give up a lot. And you have to be able to deal with instability. And not everyone 
<clears throat> is uh, set up sort of like temperamentally to, to deal with it. And, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. And, and so it's, it's a challenge. But if you don't commit to it 100%, you're never going to, it's never going to happen. Mentored a guy one time and uh, he was in the same exact predicament. His, he was engaged and his father-in-law kept hounding him to get a job. And, um, you know, was just really concerned about his future as a musician. And, and that was my advice to him. I was if you can be happy doing something else, do that. And yeah, he, right. he came back to me years later and said, you know, I, I got into the insurance world and I'm super happy and thank you. You know, but I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but, it's true. It's true, man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Western skies. So I love the way this project incorporates photography, uh, mm -hmm. poetry, essays and songs. Tell me where where this came from, like how you arrived at the idea for this and just uh, yeah, where your heart is in this project. Well, you know, so yeah, Western Sky, you know, it's a book and an album. And uh, it's, just, you know, the book has these photographs in it, these Polaroid photographs that I, t I took and, and then these essays and poetry and stuff. So what happened was during, during the sort of pandemic time, the tw uh, 2020, I was doing these drives between Austin and Southern Arizona to do work for an organization that I helped start uh, called Songwriting with Soldiers. So I was driving out there to, to do these songwriting workshops uh, in Arizona because we couldn't fly. So someone had to drive. So I was driving between Austin and there and um, I didn't have anything to do. Everything else was shut down. So I was, I would take two days to drive to Arizona and back and I would be there for one day. So it was like a five day trip. And I was driving through West Texas. And on the second day of this, uh, on the second one of these trips, uh, I found this, right before I left, I found this old Polaroid camera in my garage that I've had for about 30 years. And I haven't seen it in 20 years because it's been in a box that I've moved from place to place and never, never used. I got some film for it and just kind of started taking pictures. I, I, I love to take pictures, but I, I don't consider myself a, a quote unquote photographer. Um, but this Polaroid camera was really magical. And so it was just the photos happened because I was just there and I said, I'm going to take photographs. So I, when you do that, you start seeing more things to take photos of. And especially when you start taking uh, photos with a Polaroid and it starts to work. And these were black and white photos. I tried some with color film but it looked like everybody else's stuff on instagram and it just wasn't very interesting to me and the black and white film seemed to capture the where i was in my sort of headspace uh dealing with the whole pandemic thing and with uh just west texas it's a it's a beautiful and bleak part of the world so um that's where that started with the photos and then i, I began to write songs around that same time uh, for myself, and I, I've done a lot of work over the last decade writing songs with people that don't write songs. That's where Songwriting with Soldiers comes in. Uh, during the pandemic, I started working with this organization. I started an organization with a buddy called Frontline Songs, where we were writing songs with frontline healthcare workers as well, taking their stories with them, collaborating on, on songs. But during the pandemic, I began to really sort of, after 
a, you know, a couple, not exclusively a couple of years, but really started to write songs just for me. I'd go up into the studio every day and just start writing. And as well, when I was, so I was doing that. And then when I was on the road, I was, uh, <clears throat> I started writing these essays, sometimes speaking into my phone, sometimes writing songs, driving, just talking into my phone. It was really great. And it was, there wasn't an album project involved in mind. I didn't have a concept in mind. I was just doing it. Uh, I was just doing these three, what I thought were distinct bodies of work, you could call it. And um, so I put together about 25 songs over the, over the, you know, some were, some predated this by a year or so. And, but I put together this body, uh, this, this bunch of songs. And I went into Sonic Ranch studio out in Tornillo, Texas, near El Paso, and just was recording the demos. But I knew that something might happen. So I made sure and record them with a click track and uh, drum, you know, put a drum loop on them. It was just me working <clears throat> with an engineer. And it was on the second day of recording where I kind of went, oh, these, these first off, these songs kind of hang together in a way that's interesting. And I think these photos mat, hang together with the songs in kind of a nonlinear way. And the essays that I've been writing, they kind of work with, the, with them as well. But it's, I didn't see an album. I saw a book first. <laughs> I said, oh, this is a book. And, uh, and the album goes with the book. And so that's how the sort of concept of it all came together. It was just kind of accidental. Um, but it, it would never have come together had I not first decided to just do the work, just do, just start working. I don't worry about concepts first. I worry about working first. So that's how it sort of materialized. And then I just sort of bore down on it and, you know, started really, really taking pictures and, and really working on the essays and then started doing the recording after that, that's the sort of building the album after that that's awesome but I, yeah. I think you and i are probably similar in age and so many of the things the songs and the essays and, and the poems seem to me and this i'll tell you my interpretation of them were familiar themes of the passing of time and how fast time is going but also in finding beauty in the unbeautiful sometimes and um, just really looking at life in a different way as, as you age is, are those accurate thoughts and themes that think? 100% man. It's like, you know, I was, uh, so I, I just turned 60. So, uh, that, that in and of itself is, is a sort of a, not a wake up call, but it's a, it's a marker, you know, and it's not a bad marker, but it's a marker. And, uh, at the same time we were, especially at that time, in the world, uh, we were confronting this, this thing that was bringing mortality into our, like smacking us in the face with it, uh, with the, the pandemic. And as well, my mother was um, uh, dying. She was, she was very ill and she, she actually wound up dying about a year ago. And, and those three things together were, were like this uh, sort of the, the passing of time as well. I was also really working hard during that time to find the beauty in life. So I have this great partner and she's a very positive woman. And, 
And so we, we would every day, we'd kind of like think of something like, okay, what's going right? You know, what'd you find that worked today? What was beautiful today? And I believe that that's really the role of the artist is to find the beautiful and the difficult at the same time. I mean, that's really, if you can do that, that's really, you really, I think you're getting somewhere. And often they, they juxtapose on each other directly, you know? Um, so those, those themes were there for me, the passing of time, the, the finding this beauty and this mortality and the sort of uh, all at once. It was 100% what Western skies, uh, I think that's the sort of the core material of it. Awesome. I, I love the song Running Out of Time. I, I'd love to um, read people the, the second verse to that. Yeah, man. I count the days that I've wasted chasing some vision of what I thought I should be. It's just another green grass story. I thought it was freedom. It was chains without a key. If these nights are really numbered, if there's an end to the wine, then I'm going to love you like I'm running, like I'm running out of time. I'm going to love you like I'm running, like I'm running out of time. I just think that's beautiful. And that whole song is beautiful. I encourage people to, to check that out. But it really resonates with me. Um, and and I think with so many people, like you talked about, with the, the pandemic uh, showing us mortality in a different way, I, I love I love the beauty that I see in, in all of your work here in Western Skies. Thank you. Well, you know, that song, Running Out of Time, that was in some ways and kind of encapsulated the, the effort and the, the, the working of, of it because I just went up to my studio every day. I'd wake up and I'd, I'd you know, I just committed at the beginning when I realized we were going to be shut down for a long time. I just, I just said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to being in my studio every day at nine o'clock. So I'd wake up, you know, and I'd get up and I'd have my tea and I'd be up there and I'd sit down at the piano or the guitar and, or the paint, you know, so I draw a lot and paint and stuff. I just I'd do something that start, you know, at nine o'clock. And uh, I was just sitting there and I was thinking about my, my partner, you know, she, my, my sweetheart. And, and that song literally fell out. I mean, it was like maybe 45 minutes, <laughs> maybe to write that whole thing. And, and it's not that it's not like a complicated song. And it's very much based on a really simple song form and a, you know, I mean, I, we could get deep in the weeds on what, you know, sort of the thing I was thinking about, but um, as far as songwriting ish, but uh, you know, it was, it was just, it was great how I think it just shows that if you, sh if you show up and do the work, songs are going to start coming to you, you know, as that that one was, a, was like a gift to me, you know. So, my favorite on the, the project. Thank you. Well, if you could tell um, our audience, your songwriters, uh, one piece of advice about chasing a, a musical dream as, as a songwriter or an artist, what would it be? About chasing a musical dream, I would say uh, first off put in the work like it doesn't just happen like and commit to the life if you could if you put in the work and you commit to the life then you give it a chance not and and you have to reconcile that not everyone's going to be a star 
there's only so many slots for stardom and fame and all that, which is kind of temporary anyway. But some people just aren't intended. Like, I don't, like, I've never been a big, I've never been a big star. I've never been that famous. I've had some success and some luck. And, um, but the, the reason I'm still around is, is, and still working is because this is what I do. This is how I process the world. I work really hard and, um, but I'm really committed. I'm really committed to the life as much as like, you know, I love music and everything, but I love the life of it all, of, of creativity and art and music. That that's really what it is. So you have to give it, you have to, I think you have to give, um, you have to give it a hundred percent. And then you have to give it a break. You have to give like the whole sort of fame career, uh, notoriety thing, give it a break because it, it's, it's not necessarily going to be there for everybody. And you have to find your place in that. And, and when you do that, which is hard as a young person and you need to strive and go for it. And then at a certain point, you kind of get past the point of striving. And that's where the real beauty is. And it's, it takes a while, you know, like it just is it's just the way it goes. And you find you find those people that are have been around for 20, 30 years and they're they're doing the, their best work. That it's an amazing thing because they uh, they're if you talk to them, they're usually very serious about what they do and they're they're very committed, but they don't take themselves too seriously. And they don't, you know, they're not really they're just doing the work. They're just showing up and doing it. It's what they do. I heard this. I mean, to me, Rodney Crowell, it was like, I'm so blessed that, that Rodney agreed to write the forward for this book. But to me, Rodney is the, one of the ultimates in that, in that he just does the work. He just, he just shows up, you know, he just keeps working. He writes books, he, he does, you know, songs, he does all kinds of stuff. But he just shows up and he's, he like, he's serious. But if you talk to him, he's not taking himself too seriously. He's like having fun. And so to me, that, that was maybe a longer answer than you'd hoped for. But, uh, um, I, you know, I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard a great podcast. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, this, uh, an interview with Paul McCartney. And the podcast, they, they asked him, they were talking about, it was, uh, I guess it, the podcast was really came out right before his McCartney 3 record came out, which came out, I guess, in 21, maybe. It's a pretty crazy, amazing record. But they asked him kind of, how did it happen? He goes, oh, well, uh, you know, I've got a studio and I, I go to my studio every day. <laughs> it's like, he goes, it's not that hard, really. You just, you just go to work every day. And I think that, that really, you have to have that sort of ethic. Just go to work every day. And if this is what you do, then make it happen. You know? We're Prince's studio uh, one time up in Minneapolis and they said that yeah. they had it. They said they had enough songs from him to release a new album every year for the next 100 years. Yeah, that's and crazy. I mean, he, that, 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 kind of, that kind of productivity and prolific, that's not every, not everyone has that. But uh, Wynton Marsalis uh, told me something very similar about himself one, years ago in the 90s. I was, I was around him for a bit. I was a massive Wynton fan. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, we have, we have about 70 records in the can. 
70 albums in the can. I was like, wow. You know, and, but that kind of thing, it's just showing up. It's just doing the work. It's like, and, and the other thing I think that young musicians need to, you know, young people, people starting and, and uh, I don't say that patronizingly, but, but I think that you have to realize that it's called the music business and you have to be in music and business and you have to pay attention to that. And if you do pay attention to that, and I'm not saying be a, you know, just like be hardcore money, 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 but you have to pay attention to that because you have to eat. You have to have a place to work. You have to have a place to sleep. Uh, if you have a family, you have to take care of your family. So you better make some money and you don't have to like be rich, but you have to make some money. You have to pay the bills in order to do that. It's this combination of, I mean, in a, you know, I mean, there's a writer, a really good friend of mine named Radney Foster in Nashville. He, he's a Texas guy. He lives in Nashville. And we were talking like when I think both of us were kind of celebrating our 20th year of making a living as a musician, which that, that, that in and of itself is, I'm at, I'm at, I think I'm at like 37 now, but anyway. And Radney and I were talking about all the people that we knew in the beginning who no longer sort of made a living at it. And we were going, wonder why, wonder why we do, you know? I mean, because we're not necessarily the most talented. And what we came to was that we make more phone calls than other people. Because we wake up and it's like, because at a certain point, after about 20 years, everybody who's still making a living is talented. They're good. They're good at what they do. They're like pretty, usually pretty, like really good. So then it's just who makes more phone calls. And who kind of hustles more? At the end of the day, it's a street hustler game. And you have to combine those. And you don't have to want to get one too far over in either camp. But everybody I know that still makes a living, you're a hustler. And the more you hustle, the more time you have to dream. And the more time you have to, to go off on a tangent and explore but you have to pay the bills. So you got to pay attention to that. I think Did that make any sense? That make any sense at all? Absolutely. Yeah. There, and there's so many people that started with me uh, when I got my first writing deal that were so much more talented, but they didn't do the work. They, they yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, I got there and, and I've arrived. So now I can go party and, and have fun and, and, and I, everything's going to fall in my lap and it just doesn't work that yeah. way. Yeah, part, yeah, yeah. The whole party thing is is another thing that I would. I mean, I, I love a drink and everything, but but it does it doesn't necessarily improve your creativity. <laughs> Why, <laughs> long, it doesn't necessarily over the long run. You know, oh. it can be fun and all that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a judgment, uh, but it does. I've just noticed that the people that keep it going for a long time, most of them have a grip on it. Right. So they understand, like, okay, it's a, it's fun. And it can damage your sort of creativity, your uh, your uh, uh, ability to hang in there and keep going. So, uh, yeah, there's many facets of it. That, that's how it's, it, I, I think that's the real ticket. It's like, first off, you have to practice. You have to do the work. You have to put in the time. And you have to figure out who you are as a musician. Don't try to be like everybody else. Be yourself. And, uh, and uh, you know, put in the work and make some phone calls. 
I also think I also think if you do that, the world takes care of you. Like the world does the world. If you do those things and you're really supposed to do this, then the opportunities will come to you and you will have opportunity and luck. and, And and then it also will fall apart. It's gonna fall apart. At that point, then the hustle comes in. That's where the hustle comes in and, and the, the, the inventiveness and going out on a limb and just doing something, just like going, you know, just make something happen because it's going to fall apart. And it usually falls apart every seven to 10 years. It's everything that you were doing just kind of falls apart and you have to re restructure. You have to reinvent, you have to reinvent yourself. Yeah. And I mean, companies call that rebranding. And you do every, every, every artist has to do that. You have to, cause what works all of a sudden doesn't work and you have to reconfigure. And that's the fun part, man. That's where it gets good. You know? Yeah. It'd be boring. If it just, you figured it well, out why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do the same thing all the time? That's an, that becomes an impersonation of yourself. Right. And, and we all know those people who begin to impersonate themselves and it's a drag because they're often very, very talented and they don't change. They don't evolve. So. Garden, thank you so much. I would encourage everybody to go check out Western sky and I just appreciate you sharing your uh, art and your wisdom with us. Oh, my fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Let me know if I can do ever do anything for you, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Sorry we had some sound issues there. I didn't realize that until I started editing, but I hope you were able to make out all that because um, I'd love for you to check out Darden's music. I'm going to play you uh, one of his songs. This one's called Running Out of Time. Uh, We invite you to check out songtown.com. You can look in the show notes. We've got links to books, all kinds of songwriter resources. Uh, Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next week. If these days are really numbered If there's an end to the line Then I'm gonna love you Like I'm running Like I'm running out of time